0: Welcome back to the All in the Homeschool Day podcast where my goal is to equip you to homeschool with confidence and joy and as a part of that we are in the middle of a, the ser- mini-series about helping your struggling learner to succeed in your homeschool. If you missed the first Uh, episode in this mini-series, episode 54, I encourage you to listen to that first as we set the stage in that one by helping you to set realistic expectations for your struggling learner and to think about what you want to achieve in your homeschool. So listen to that first and then come back to this one. If you've already listened to that, let's jump right in with that second question that you should ask yourself when you have a struggling learner, and that is what changes could I make to my child's learning plan? What changes could you make to your homeschool or their learning environment or his curriculum that would help him to make forward progress a little easier, remove some of those stumbling blocks for him? I always think about five aspects when I am deciding what changes that I need to make for my struggling learner. And that first thing that you need to do is to observe the situation. You need to be a student of your student. Watch for those cues. Pay particular attention to the following situations. And then use your answers to formulate a customized plan for your struggling learner. You can find these questions on the show notes post for this podcast mini series at triumphantlearning.com forward slash struggling learner. So you don't have to worry about writing these all down. Just listen and think about them. And then if you want to go uh, see them again, you can go to the post for that. And those questions are When does your child get frustrated? What is challenging for your child? What subjects does your child find easier? Which ones does he find more challenging? Do different learning environments make it easier for him to learn? And is there a time of day when your child struggles more? So think about those questions. And um, as we go through these other aspects be thinking about your answers to help you formulate a plan of what changes you could make so that your child has a better uh, chance of success and you've removed some of those stumbling blocks. So the second aspect, whenever I'm thinking about my child's learning plan, is to make sure that her foundation is solid. If you think about building a house, if you were to build a house on uneven ground, your house would not be level. No matter what you do inside, it would be almost impossible for you to get a level house. You've gotta have that foundation work done first before you build on top of it. And the same is true for your child's education. If you just keep moving forward, And keep pushing your child to finish the book, to read a little more, even though they don't understand what they just did, they haven't mastered it, they will reach a point that they can't keep progressing, that they will need to backtrack and fill in that foundation so that they have a solid understanding in order to move forward, So shore up any weak areas, whether that be looking at your math curriculum and seeing areas where your child is moving a little slower or doesn't quite grasp the concepts. It is okay for you to camp out and really make sure your child masters the concepts before you move on. You do not have to finish the book in a whole year. I know you are probably thinking... Yeah, right. We have to keep going. You really don't have to finish the book in the whole year. First of all, public schools do not finish the whole book. If they get 75 to 80 percent of the book finished, they generally consider that complete. Even if your child doesn't get that far. Let's say you only finish half of the book this year. You can always carry it forward to next year. Nothing says that we have to finish something this year if our children are not understanding it. And what I've also seen is that sometimes when we have camped out for a while to make sure that my children have understood a concept, I knew they were struggling. I I could tell that it just wasn't cl- sinking in and clicking And so I said, you know what, we're going to stop here, we're going to play some games, we're going to find some other ways to practice this concept, we're going to do some different stuff and kind of take a break, and then we'll come back to it in a few months. And sure enough, when we came back to it, it made sense, it clicked, and we moved on, and they were able to move very quickly through the next set of lessons because it all made sense and they were ready for it. Now I will say that one of my daughters has had the, that exact experience and the other one has been a little different in that we've done something very similar. We camped out on some math concepts when she was struggling and then a few months later we we attacked it again. It made a little more sense, but we were still moving slowly, but we were moving forward. So the rate at which your child is going to move is going to vary depending on your child and where they are in their maturation process. So I don't want to set the stage that you can just camp out for a few months and then your child's going to sail through. Some of our students will. Some of our struggling learners will. And others, it's going to be an uphill battle the whole way. But the concept is the same. If we keep pushing them, they can keep going for a little while but they will hit a brick wall eventually that they need to stop and make sure that you have that foundation solid so don't be afraid to take a little break you know your child you know where he is struggling you know um, you can see what he's needing and allow him that time to lay the foundation i want to also encourage you that your found your child's foundation may not be a single subject there may be a lot of related components for example my daughter who was not a strong reader until she was 11 she could not spell well. Her math skills were, were a real challenge for her. But once her reading clicked, she was able to then progress very quickly in her reading skills. It was like that light switch finally clicked on and she was off. Now, it did take her a little while to ramp up, but once she got going, there was no stopping her. And then I suddenly saw her walking through the house with her nose in a book all the time. And I saw the co- a corresponding leap in her spelling abilities, in her writing abilities, in her math skills. Whatever switch was needed for her to be able to read was also affecting her in all of these other areas. So you may find that your child ha- is connected in those struggles. And so some areas that seem unrelated are actually connected and laying that foundation for all of those areas. And so laying the foundation in just one of those areas can help your child in so many ways. That third aspect that I think about when I am contemplating changes to my child's learning plan is that we need to take baby steps. Especially for our struggling learners, we need to set small, reasonable goals for them. If the goal is too large, they will shut down. They're just not able to process all of that. They're, they they see the... End end goal as too big, too far away, and unachievable. But when we break the process down into manageable steps, they can focus on it one step at a time, and it doesn't seem so overwhelming. This year, this, this point was illustrated to me in such vivid detail. My daughter last year started working on written narrations more. We've done them in the past and in a little different way. And I will talk about that in the fifth aspect. But she was actually writing the narrations this past year. And so at the beginning of the year, I told her that narrations and her writing skills were what we would work on a lot this year. That was going to be our primary focus so that we could get her up to the point that she felt confident and capable to write uh, whenever she was out anywhere else. So I started the year off by giving her a geography book and it was a story about uh, these ladies traveling around Europe and my daughter is very interested in learning more about Europe and the Victorian era. This was a great fit for her because It took advantage of what motivated her. She wanted to learn more about Europe and the Victorian era and incorporate some easier narrations. So what I told her to do was each week, I want you to read one chapter in this book, give me an oral narration, so tell me what you read, and then at the end of the week, I want you to write a written narration. So... The first week that we did that, she broke down. Now, she's been writing for the past couple of years, somewhat informally, a little bit uh, not big expectations of what she would write, just getting her in the habit of writing. So this year, I think what made her overwhelmed was the fact that I was asking her to put into words what she had read. Even though she's been doing this, even though she had already orally narrated it to me, it seemed overwhelming and just insurmountable to her. So I broke it down. And I looked at her and I said, okay, so on Monday, you gave me an oral narration about this chapter. Can you tell me what you, what you read again? And she did. She told me what she had read on Monday. And I said, a written narration is just your oral narration written down. And I don't expect it to be as long because it, you're still developing your written narration skills. I just want a short written narration. I want you to write something about what you read. And she still had tears streaming down her cheeks. She was still overwhelmed at the thought of having to write all that. And she said, how long does it have to be? I said, it doesn't have to be long at all. One sentence today would be fine. And she still felt overwhelmed. And I looked at her because we had just recently talked about what makes a sentence. And I said, tell me what a sentence needs to have. How many words? She thought a minute and looked at me and she said, two. I said, right, a subject and a verb. I said, technically, your narration has to be two words long. At that, the corners of her mouth started to turn up. I could tell she was processing this. And I said, I know for a fact that you can write more than two words. Today, if that is all that you feel like you can write about this particular narration, that is totally fine. But I'm pretty sure that you can do more. And she kind of nodded and smiled. She said, yeah, I can do more. And she wrote a sentence. She only wrote one sentence that day, but she wrote a sentence and it was more than two words. Over the next few weeks, her written narrations progressed to three to five sentences. Like we talked about previously, once they have those foundational skills in place, sometimes they move very quickly. She was able to progress from thinking, I can't do this at all, to writing one short sentence, to writing a paragraph. And Then at the end of our term, I had them do, had my children do term examinations and I had given her the questions. I told her for each of the subject areas, at least one of the questions had to be a written narration that she either wrote out by hand or that she typed. She could not use voice dictation, which we'll talk about in a minute. She had to actually write it or type it out. All of the rest of them, she could use the voice dictation to help her. She could dictate it to me and I would type it. But that one, she needed to practice on. And she finished the exams and had decided, you know what, it's just easier if I type the whole thing out. So she actually typed her exams, checked it in Grammarly, and pasted it back into the document. So over the course of one term, 11 weeks... She progressed from, I can't do this, to, okay, this is a whole lot easier than trying to go through the dictation software or dictating it, dictating it to mom and having her type it out. I made sure that her foundation was solid, and then I helped her take those baby steps to get there. Now, that fourth aspect that I want you to think about related to uh, changes in your child's learning plan is how can you maximize your child's learning environment? The environment in which your child learns can have a huge impact on her success. Some children need a quiet environment, others need to move in order to learn. And if you have one of each of those, that is, those interests are going to conflict with each other and you'll have to figure out how to balance that. I've often had to send the child who needs to move outside or in a totally different room so that my other child could have the quiet that she needed. Each child's needs are different, so you'll need to experiment a little bit to discover what what is going to work best for your child. You might consider adjusting your homeschool day. Either that could be starting your day early, delaying lessons until after lunch, or breaking up the lessons and doing some early, taking a fairly extended break in the middle of the day, and then doing some more later. For a long time, we did 10-minute breaks. What we would do is uh, work very diligently for 10 to 20 minutes, then we take a 10 minute break. And then we would repeat that process. Those short time periods allowed my children to focus and then to get up and move and get their energy out and refocus and come back ready to learn more. So you that is one of the beauties that you have in homeschooling, is that you can structure your day in a way that is going to help your child the best. You might also experiment with changing the scenery some. You might have some students who need to have no distractions, no movement. They need to have that quiet, serene place. You might have other, others who want to move around a little bit. My struggling learner actually likes to complete her science lesson at my office desk, I think in large part because she is working through a drawing curriculum for science, and it's a quiet place, and she can kind of get away from the hubbub of what's going on in the house, so she can really focus. But at the same time, she wants to practice her spelling words either with sidewalk chalk outside, or she wants to use a game on the computer, And that can kind of be anywhere. She gets kind of engrossed in that and that doesn't bother her. And she wants to take her history reading and either snuggle up on the couch or sit on the floor and pet our puppy or sit in her hammock. So she moves around a lot uh, depending on what subject she's working on and kind of how she's feeling that day. Well, Next week, we'll talk more about motivating your struggling learner. And one of the things we'll talk about is helping your child to identify for themselves what they need. So as you are being a student of your child, you are observing the situation as they're younger, you can start to see what they need and start to provide that learning environment for them that is most conducive to them learning, and then you'll be able to help them transition to doing that on their own. Now, that fifth aspect about modifying your your struggling learner's learning environment is to remove obstacles to learning. You have such an incredible opportunity to make learning fun and engaging for your child, you can incorporate living books, you can use audiobooks. you could read your child's lessons out loud to him if needed, you can incorporate games into your lesson plans. And on the show notes to this podcast, uh, you can find links to some liv- living books that we love and games that we have used in our homeschool. So you can find that at triumphantlearning.com forward slash struggling learner. You could also take field trips to bring subjects to life, especially if you have a child who likes to see what's happening to be able to understand it better. You might consider completing hands-on projects, whether that be a lap book or a craft project, or my daughter wants to work on doing some recreations this year as part of her history lessons. I have some other friends who act out what they're learning. It becomes a part of their daily life as they uh, pretend with it as they even their her older students they still act it out and it's just a way to help solidify what they're learning we don't always do that in our homeschool that doesn't work as well for us and so this goes back to be observant about what your child needs and about what is going to help your child the best you might also make some other accommodations for your children. Here are some other examples. You could allow your child to use dictation software to complete written assignments and written narrations. Or they could use a voice memo app to record their narrations. Uh, you could have your children working on their spelling and kind of come up with this middle ground for a lo- for about a year. We were working on my daughter's spelling. Her reading had improved and she was working really hard last year on her spelling. So she got into a habit of saying, Mom, how do you spell? Mom, how do you spell? And it became that habit because she didn't want to put forth the the effort to try to spell it. Because it's hard. She wasn't being lazy. She was just tired of trying. So We came up with this agreement, and the agreement was, for most words throughout the day, she had to say, do you spell this word this way? So she would give me that word, and then she would try to spell it. Oftentimes, it wasn't right, but she tried, and that was what I wanted her to do, is to put forth the effort to try. But what I did is I said, I will give you five free words a day. So I won't ask any questions. If you say that is one of my five words and I don't want to try to spell it, I will immediately spell it for you. So when she would ask me, Mom, how do you spell? And I would say, is this one of your five words? Sometimes she would say, yes, it is. And other times she'd think a minute and say, no, I'm going to try first. So I found a way to help her bridge the gap between uh, her ability of not being able to spell, to practicing that skill of spelling. So you might find ways to help your child make that transition. Find an accommodation that allows them to feel successful, but still make progress in developing the skill. What is most important is that you help your child work at his intellectual level, regardless of his skills. It is Most likely that your child is able to think deeply, to understand concepts, and is probably at what you would uh, consider grade level in many aspects, but they struggle with some of the skills. Specifically, reading, writing, and math are those skills that it just can take a while to develop. So if your child is able to work intellectually at a higher level, let them find ways to accommodate that while you are also finding ways to shore up and to build their skills in these other areas so that the the two areas can meet up and when your child's skills are at the level that his intellectual level is he's able to then take off and soar next week we are going to talk about the third question in helping your struggling learner succeed in your homeschool and that question is how can you empower and motivate your struggling learner so i hope you'll join me next week as we discuss that and as you go throughout the week this week I want you to think, what could I change to help my struggling learner? Identify one thing that we've talked about today. We talked about observing the situation, making sure the foundation is solid, taking baby steps, Maximizing your child's learning environment and removing obstacles to learning. So, what of those areas could you change that would help your child make better progress in their learning? Once you've identified that, make a plan. There may be things that you cannot change this week, but you can make a plan for making those changes. I'd love it if you'd email me and let me know how it's going. How, what changes that you're making and, and how that it's affecting your struggling learner. I'd love to celebrate those successes with you. You can email me at info at triumphantlearning.com. Until next time, I hope that you have a triumphant day and you are able to homeschool with confidence and joy.